Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of the Neil World Order podcast. Well, Labor Day has come and went, um, so I guess prepare yourself for pumpkin spice shit everywhere uh, and the whole fall overload as we transition from summer into autumn on September 22nd, which still went about 10 days away anyways. But, you know, truthfully speaking, aside from it being kind of like the prelude to winter, I don't really think I mind the fall. I mean, the weather's usually pretty agreeable. I mean, it was pretty hot today, but technically it's still summer. Um, The humidity kind of subsides. You get that nice, cool breeze. There's always a little bit of chill in the air at night. Um, You know, it kind of makes for some great outdoor weather for hanging out, eating outside, sitting around the fire or whatever. Plus, the most important thing, if we're being realistic, football is back. Uh, the NFL season actually kicked off on uh, Thursday night when the Buffalo Bills kicked the shit out of the Rams. For those of you that saw that, what was it? I believe it was 31 to 10. Buffalo had four turnovers. That game probably could have easily been 50 to 10. Um, Buffalo looks like the team to beat. Uh, I mean, I guess it's one game, but. Uh, you know, there was a lot of hype around Buffalo to start the season, and then they came out, and I mean, they even, with their mistakes, still dominated the defending Super Bowl champs. But, um, you know, whether, you, like I said, whether you like NFL or college, uh, great uh, college weekend, uh, It was as it was like week two of college football. My Tennessee Vols are 2-0 and after uh, an overtime win today over... Pittsburgh, uh, our defense looked pretty stout. I mean, we gave up 27 points, but uh, a lot of QB pressures. I liked what I saw from the defensive line. Uh, we hurt their starting quarterback. They this, the guy who replaced them was hurt and still playing at the end. Thought they were going to go through two. Uh, Pittsburgh was a pretty solid team. And I'd honestly, on paper, had that down as a loss. So that was kind of cool to go 2-0. and Plus Florida lost. Uh, Alabama should have lost. Um, Marsh, the Marshall Thundering Herd beat Notre Dame. It's always a good day when Notre Dame loses. Um, <clears throat> but you know, like we have football now through February, I mean, through February, which is pretty much a win unless your team sucks or kind of has a huge injury week one. Um, you know, as, as a Packer fan, as far as the NFL is concerned, I'm a bit intrigued to see how, uh, the offense looks without Devonte Adams, um. And I still recall, you know, last year's week one, 38-3 loss we had to the Saints. Because, you know, week one can be kind of rough. A lot of teams don't play any of their starters. So the Packers have a lot of guys coming off of injury as far as our left tackle, our starting tight end. Uh, So there's a lot of, I don't know, I think a lot of question marks. Our special teams was complete shit, and it was the whole reason we didn't go to the Super Bowl last year. But, um you know, I guess we'll hold our breath and see what unfolds. Um, so I was thinking about the NFL, and this is kind of my, uh, not as abbreviated as last year, and not as good as when Andrew and I did it, but this is my abbreviated NFL forecast based on nothing but my own opinions and a look looking at rosters, schedules, and, you know, deciding what teams I hate, what teams I like. Um, so we'll get started. I'll start in the uh, AFC in the East. Obviously, I have the Bills. I think the Bills, barring any injuries, could seriously go 15-2 and or 16-1. and I honestly thought, contemplated saying 17-0. and 0. 
I just think it's a long season. I think there's a lot of injuries. Teams come sometimes, you know, rest people. You get meaningless games, and sometimes shit just happens. But uh, looking over their schedule, it really favors them. They play uh, most of their tough opponents at home, aside from, I mean, I don't think it matters. They played the Rams in L.A. as they were celebrating their Super Bowl championship and still kicked the shit out of them. Uh, I also expect them to be the number one seed in the AFC. Um, I think the Patriots will be the runner-up in that division and probably will make the playoffs. I don't really see anything else coming out of that division from uh, Miami or was it the fucking the Jets? The Jets are terrible. Um, the AFC North, um, I'm going to take last year's Super Bowl runners-up, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals taking the division. Uh, and I think really with the Deshaun Watson suspension, I don't see any other team doing anything in that division. Um, I mean, for Christ's sakes, Pittsburgh is starting Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. Um, you know, so ugh, I don't see anything. Maybe Baltimore squeaks in, but I think the uh, Lamar Jackson contract talks could make or break their season. I know they broke off. Yeah, actually, it's kind of interesting. I know we don't go into a lot of details on sports. He's one of the few players in the league. He actually represents himself. He doesn't have an agent, which, I don't know, I, I think I would kind of do because, like, it's my money. Why would I want to share it with anybody? But whatever. Um, we move to the AFC South. I think the Colts are going to take the division and end up being the number two seed in that conference. I think... Matt Ryan is going to be a nice game manager for them. They're not going to win games because of Matt Ryan. They're just not going to lose games because of the quarterback play. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is, you know, a, an amazing back. Uh, they have a great offensive line. They have a good defense. Um, it's not the best division. Uh, I think I, the Titans will be runner-up. They'll make the playoffs. They're probably a risky pick. Um but with Derrick Henry, and they had a good draft on offense, so I think their offense should be okay, even though they traded leading receiver A.J. Brown. And then rounding out that division, I think the Texans will probably be the worst team in the league. Um, and Jack Jacksonville, I think, will actually make some strides, but they really aren't there yet. They've, they're putting a lot of pieces in there, and Doug Peterson will get there and build a culture, so I think it's kind of turning over from, like, the mess Urban Meyer made, which that guy was on a Fox pregame football show today. I was like, that guy's such a dirtbag. I can't believe he's still collecting paychecks. AFC West, honestly, I think this is Kansas City's division, but I do think that window is closing, and the L.A. Chargers have made some brilliant moves. They will make the playoffs. Um and I'm not sold on Vegas, even with Devontae Adams. I don't think Derek Carr is a good quarterback. Um, and I don't believe Russell Wilson is enough to take Denver anywhere above maybe a 500 season because there's so many missing pieces still on that roster. Um, but as we, you know, so moving along to the NFC, um, I'll start in the East. I, I like Philly to win the East. I think this is another team that had a great draft. They didn't make any bad moves in the offseason, and it's if you're a fan of the Eagles, this has to be kind of cool to have a team that's like, oh, wow. But, you know, there was that year a while back, remember, when they put all spent all that money on, team, on players and then they were terrible, but I digress. But they brought in A.J. Brown from Tennessee, um, which is going to be an awesome target for Jalen Hurts. 
I think they're going to be good enough to where they're actually going to end up being the number two seed in the NFC come the playoffs. I think Dallas will be the runner-up and probably make the playoffs. Um, I really hate the Cowboys, but the Giants and Redskins or Commanders or whatever they are suck so bad that, I mean, the NFC as a whole is a weaker conference than the AFC. Um, Moving along to the NFC North, uh, obviously I'm going to pick the Packers. Although... I wouldn't be surprised if Minnesota ended up winning the division. I think there's potential there with the new coach. Um, I'm just never sold on Kirk Cousins, but they have Dalvin Cook. They have, uh, what, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. They have a good running back, a decent defense. They get to play half their games in a dome. But, um, you know, the Bears and Lions obviously aren't going to go anywhere. Uh, and I also think the the Vikings will make the playoffs as a wild card out of that division. NFC South, uh, probably the easiest division maybe to pick in football besides the AFC East. Tampa Bay easily with Brady. Uh, you know, they're going to have a pretty solid record. It's a pretty shitty division. Uh, I am interested in seeing how uh, Baker Mayfield plays in California. I think that could be an interesting thing, but I'm not buying the Saints. I still believe Jameis Winston is garbage. Uh, Sean Payton is gone. Uh, My guess is the Saints will be mediocre. We'll miss the playoffs. And the Falcons will... I believe Marcus Mariota is their starting quarterback. And, I mean, I don't really think there's anything more to say from that. The interesting thing about that uh, division, you have the guys who went 1-2 and in the 2015 NFL Draft are both starting quarterbacks in the division. That's uh, Mariota and Jameis Winston. They both suck. Uh, Lastly, the NFC West. It's probably full of the teams I hate the most in the NFL. Uh, I have the Rams winning this uh, and being the only playoff team, uh, I believe. I may have Arizona making the playoffs. I don't know. Um, I I don't buy into Trey Lance in San Francisco. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying Jimmy G is a guy, but Jimmy G took you to a Super Bowl. He's a decent quarterback. He does get hurt a lot. But uh, nothing I've seen out of Trey Lance made me think, oh, wow, hey, this guy's going to be good. It's like that kid the Titans drafted. What is it? Malik, whatever. Willis, is that his name out of Liberty? In the priest, that guy looked lost. That guy didn't look like he should be playing NFL football. But, um, yeah, I think Arizona made some awesome moves. I don't think they're there yet. I'm also not sold on Kyler Murray. I think he's athletic as shit, but I still look at him as a gadget quarterback and not like a quarterback. Um, and Seattle is probably going to give Houston a run for the worst team in the league, although it would be awesome to see West Virginia product Geno Smith do amazing things. And, you know, I don't know if he's too far gone and he's just the right guy in the wrong place, but uh, it's cool to see Geno Smith get the starting nod, which makes tells you how bad Drew Locke really is. At one time, people had Drew Locke as possibly being the number one overall pick in the NFL some years ago, and now this guy's not even good enough to start over Geno Smith. Um, so playoff teams I have in the AFC, Buffalo, Indiana, or Indianapolis, Kansas City, Cincinnati, Tennessee, the Chargers, and the Patriots. I think the Bills are going to come out of this uh, and go to the Super Bowl. Although my dark horse is the Chargers, I think there's there's 
they could be like last year's Bengals. Uh, NFC have Tampa being the number one seed, uh, Philly, Green Bay, the Rams, Minnesota, Dallas, and Arizona. And mind you, I could see the Green Bay thing crashing and burning really bad. Um, you know, I, I'm realistic that, I mean, we have a, our defense on paper is top five. They look like they should be lights out. But at the end of the day, you have to score points. I mean, our defense was great in the playoff game last year against San Francisco, and we fucking lost because our special teams sucked. And I don't have a lot of reason to believe special teams is better right now. I mean, I'm going to have to see it to believe it. I know we brought in the guy who at rate Rich Basilius, who was like the Raiders head coach, and he's a special teams guru. But until I see it, they still suck. And they've always sucked the whole time I've lived here. Um, I, this was an opinion pick. I picked the Packers, but I could easily see Tampa Bay going back to the Super Bowl with Brady again. I honestly think the NFC is literally up for grabs. It may come down to who has home field or injuries. Um, and, and the Packers are honestly only going to go as far as the defense and special teams carries them. A great year from Aaron Rodgers doesn't guarantee us anything. I mean, he's had sensational seasons the last handful of years, back-to-back MVP, and it hasn't really mattered because too many other things that are out of his hands tend to cost us games. But um, So that's a Green Bay-Buffalo Super Bowl. In, in my dream scenario, Packers win, Rodgers retires. But this is just my opinion based on about 10 minutes of research and 15 minutes of babbling. I could easily see Buffalo winning, which would kind of make up for those poor Bills fans who had to endure four Super Bowl losses in a row in the 90s. If you aren't old enough to remember that, oh, it was brutal. And in my younger years, I swear to God, I picked them every year. I thought they were going to win, which is crazy when you think about that Cowboy juggernaut team, which only managed to get, I think, three Super Bowls in six years, but still... Anyways, um, I guess just enjoy the football season. I personally don't do fantasy anymore. I know people. there's people that have done leagues forever, and it's, it just gets boring. Um, I like to just watch it and not feel the stress of it. Um, so, you know, it should be a great season full of surprises. There's always going to be some oh shit things, you know. You think about it, you know, wherever you are, it's like Christmas Eve tonight, right? Cause, you know, unless you're a... Bills or Rams fan because you already played, but like some some big name player is going to get hurt tomorrow. Like some team's season is going to go in the toilet tomorrow that maybe wasn't in the toilet. That was you know one of those teams I was talking about making the playoffs. That's the crazy thing about it. Like yeah, on paper it looks like it could be the Packers. Rodgers could go down in the first play of the game. Um, You know this and that. So that's cool thing about football. Um, We'll see what happens. Uh, you know, hopefully next week uh, I'll be in a good mood because the Packers won. If not, it'll be like, oh, well. So from the kings of the gridiron um, to the queen, Queen Elizabeth II actually died on Thursday morning at the age of 96. I had no idea the queen was this old. Uh, my knowledge of the queen is very little as I pretty much had to go online to talk to you about the following things. Uh she was, I believe she's the longest reigning monarch in British history and second longest reigning monarch in world history. I believe I saw that, um, for whatever that's worth. Um, I'm not, like I said, I'm not one of those who honestly gives two flying fucks about the royal family um, and their history. 
And while I'm sure this is seen as a great loss to some, personally, I don't get it. I felt like the other day everyone just decided they were British on their Facebook thing. And it's like, I'm like, fuck, you people don't know. Like, we don't know her. She's just some old lady who died. Maybe she represents something to people. That's all cool. But um, anyways, Queen Elizabeth II, the late queen, was born in 1926. Um, she'd actually recently lost her husband, Prince Philip, to whom she'd been married for 73 years, which that's quite an accomplishment. Um, Philip died in April of 2021. I think I must have missed that. I didn't know that. Like I said, I don't really care. Uh, she had four children, Charles, Anne, Andrew, and Edward. Um, Charles will now be known as King Charles III, I believe is what it is. And um, Andrew is the pedo that is linked to many visits to Epstein Island with the physical proof pictures and people that have sued and testified against him in court. Um, I could probably go on and on about him, but I just didn't feel like researching it. Um, <clears throat> I actually think he got kicked out of the royal family, but I could be wrong. Um, queen Elizabeth became, well, Elizabeth became queen in 1952 after the death of her father, King George, who must have been King George II. Um, she was 25 at the time, which is kind of crazy. You think, wow, hey, you're the queen at 25 because, I mean, Charles is king and he looks really old. Um, you know, and although her reign saw a lot of scandals, mostly in the lives of her own children, uh, from Andrew being a pedo, Charles' public divorce, and then the death of Diana. The queen was kind of, she's always remained quite favorable by her people or subjects or whatever, you know, that they want to call themselves. So I guess that's cool. Um, I'm sure there'll be plenty of coverage of her death and her life in the coming days. You know, most of it's really just to distract us from everything that's bad here. So like, hey, here's some fluff stuff to make you forget about inflation and crime and the fact that our president is a stuttering retard. Um, but yeah, you know, Queen Elizabeth dead on September 8th, 2022. Uh, we're actually on the eve of the 21st, 21 years uh, from September 11th, which is crazy that like, I didn't even realize I actually, uh, I don't even have anything prepared for it in the, the script. Uh, I saw a meme as I was checking social media before I came down here. And I was like, oh, shit, that's tomorrow. You know, it's one of those. I did, I did a cool, I think I did a pretty cool episode uh, in the beginning when I first started the podcast. You'll have to go back to, like, I don't know if it's episode, I want to say it's episode three, three or four, um, where I talked about that in my experience and where I was, um, you know, and I'll use, like I said, I usually try to make time to, you know, a lot of the news channels show uh, the readings of the uh, those who lost their lives, the names by their family members, children, uh, people who are just there to remember them. I always try to watch a little bit of that just to kind of pay my respects. Um, it's crazy to think it was that long ago. I mean, I was just a guy, young guy living in Orlando, Florida, working at the Golf Channel and we had Regis and it was Regis and Kelly back then, which I think Regis Philbin's dead now too, right? I don't even think Regis is Ryan Seacrest and Regis or Kelly, whatever name, still on the air. I, I, who knows? But yeah, so maybe uh, take some time tomorrow. Remember that uh, fateful day in our nation's history, and we were a different country then. It' kind of crazy to think uh, where we are now. 
But what are you going to do? So, anyways, the other day at work, I was scrolling through TikTok videos like uh, I do often when I'm bored at work. And I came across a, a video of some drag performances at Tennessee Tech University in Cookville, Tennessee. Um, I actually went to Tennessee Tech University. That's kind of my hometown. Um, the kicker is that it was a student-sponsored event at, and I'm not even making this up, at Tennessee Tech University's Backdoor Playhouse. I, I swear to all of you that aren't from the area, that that's really what it's called. I'm not lying. This isn't Neil being tongue-in-cheek and making fun of something. I mean, the, the joke writes itself. <clears throat> the performance featured a local performer with the state... I, I thought the stage name was Little Demon. Apparently, it, the character acts like a little demon. I listened to it. I'll get more into this further down the line. So we'll say Little Demon for now. Who's also the co-host of a podcast called Witchcraft. Witchcrafted. <sighs> Whatever. So ultimately, the performer, the performer performed a portion of the show starting in a robe. Um, kind of looking like a monk Marilyn Manson is uh, the way I would describe it which he later referred to in his podcast as a witch's cloak. Uh, it was performed to that Take Me to Church song by Hozier that they played on the radio, like, nonstop a uh, handful of years ago. Um, you know, and during parts of the show, there were children coming to the stage, giving him money as he danced. He had lost the robe and was in some kind of, I don't know, unitard, leotard-looking, revealing outfit. It, it was It was weird. Uh, like, I'm not a person that gets offended, you know, so, like, I was, I personally wasn't offended by it, but I was like, okay, this is kind of fucked up. Um, the video blew up, um, you know, a lot of people were really disturbed by seeing children participating in the event, which that part of it I totally get, um, you know, and we've seen this all over the country. So, um, you know, I posted about it, and then I was like, okay, in doing some research, I was like, okay, I'm going to look into this guy's podcast. And I saw he did a podcast with, I believe it's some girlfriend of his, not like just a friend or whatever. His name's Josh Lancaster. He resides in Cookville, Tennessee. Um, he tried to defend the performance um, after saying the performance was not meant to be sacrilegious. Yet, I guess, and I found this consistently through his podcast, the where he would kind of contradict himself because he was speaking he said it wasn't meant to be sacrilegious, yet the performance and song were meant to send a message that the church cannot control people in their lives. Um, you know, and I think by them, he's referring to the LGBTQ yada yada community. Um, the event was there, was being hosted to raise money for um, an organization they referred to as the Upper as Upper Cumberland Pride. Uh, that area, for those of you that aren't from there, is kind of called the Upper Cumberland area, um, for whatever reason. <clears throat> uh, Lancaster would continue to defend the children being in attendance, saying that it's okay that the children were there, uh, that some of the kids are actually there have actually performed in drag and that they're his friends. And I don't mean like 12, 13, 14 year old kids. We're talking the videos on our Facebook page. You want to watch it. If you, I'm guessing if you just type in Tennessee tech university into TikTok in the search thing, it's going to come up, but uh, we're talking probably maybe at oldest 10, I would say probably eight and under. Um, 
you know, remind, remind, let me remind you, he's a grown man saying he's friends with kids. And I have friends that have children. I don't refer to their children as my friends. I just, that's a weird context. I think, uh, you know, he spoke on how he's not grooming them. And it, all things aside, tried to portray himself as some kind of victim. Um, you know, he kind of carried on and on that he's being slandered. Uh, even though, I mean, the video evidence literally depicts everything he says it doesn't. And, and I think the podcast confirms that he was that he was speaking out against organized religion, which, cool, that's your thing, man. But, like, don't get... I guess my issue with that is if you do it, like, you know, stand with your conviction. Don't try to paint it as something else. And he, he wasn't politicking. I think he was... I think, honestly, a lot of how he spoke maybe was due to being uneducated. Uh, Maybe a little young, naive. I'm not sure how old he was. Um, He kind of came off short-sighted and a little stupid. No, I'm not not trying to insult him. That was just kind of how I took it. I was like, oh, man, you're making this worse. You should just... We've all been there, right? You have a friend that gets himself in trouble, and you're like, dude, just shut up. You're all giving him, like, the throat slash thing. Like, just stop. Nah, man, you're good. But, uh, you know, I think he just comes off really naive, uh, you know, and not having the sense to understand the whole optics of the performance, you know. And and I think it looks worse now when he doubles down on knowing the children personally. You know, and like I said, when he explains that those kids have been exposed to drag their entire lives, you know. And if you think about this, for those of you that know, in Cookville, Tennessee, it's a town with about maybe 40,000 people population when school when Tennessee Tech University is uh, during school uh, you know it, and it's a county that's about 80% Republican it's in middle Tennessee about one hour from Nashville two hours from Knoxville so you're talking Bible Belt deep red Tennessee and, and I can say this you know as someone who lived and grew up in that area that that's really how it is um you know, and I look at it this way. You know, I'm not one to, I don't, there's a thin line between telling people what they can and can't do, but here are my thoughts. One, I don't think the show should have been permitted on school grounds. I would also feel the same way if it was female strippers or whatever. Um, I understand that it was not a school-sponsored event, so this wasn't something the tax dollars paid for or your tuition dollars paid for. Um, it was a school-sponsored a student-sponsored event uh, by a couple student organizations, but, you know, a statement from supporters of the Backdoor Playhouse, which that name kills me, um, had said that it is often their intention to buck the system and go against the grain of what the university is. I think they mean by the culture of the area and so on and so forth. And like I said, I understand that there's a thin line between telling people what, what and where they can do with their own children. Like, I get that. I wouldn't want somebody doing that with mine, but I also think exposure to certain things, you know, there's a common sense value. And I I think that's what's being overlooked here. You know, and I think even trying to downplay it and fitting the grooming narrative, and I'm not saying he's a groomer. I'm just saying if you look at Lancaster referred to himself as saying that the kids see him as a funny clown. Well, he knows in his performance he's not trying to be a funny clown. But if that's what you're telling yourself to so the kids, see, that fits a grooming narrative. And well, although that may not be what you're trying to do, 
that's what you're doing. You know, it's kind of like the dummy that doesn't know he's a dummy. Um, <clears throat> you know, and he based that on the costumes and makeup. And, you know, like I said to me, that's a deception as far as what you're representing and the fact that you're not explaining to the full extent of what the performance is to them. Well, that's exactly why the kids shouldn't be there in the first place. If you're having to lie to them and not tell them exactly what the uh, whole thing represents and what it's for. You want to support gay people? Sure. I don't have a problem with the student organiz And this may go against the grain. Some of my people that live there and uh, fellow conservatives, I don't have a problem with a student, you know, student organizations putting on a show that raises money for for gay people, for trans. What, what I, I don't have, that's their money, that's their thing. They ha I believe, you know, we have to all be able to have our opinions. You don't have to like everything, but you have to understand to have your views, you have to let them have their views. And I'm not here to tell them they're wrong in raising that money. I just, the children is where I draw the line. Um, <clears throat> you know, that uh, Thursday, this past Thursday, university the university president, uh, I believe his name's Phil Oldham, released a statement saying that he was unaware of the events and the shows. And that I guess there's been a couple of these shows. And that all student-sponsored events for the time being are postponed pending investigation of who and what the events will be. Uh, he said the university would not tolerate anti-religious sentiments being performed at the university, um, which... Okay, you know, it's not a private university, it's a public university, and once again, I'm going to stray from maybe my flock. Um, I also read in the, co there was the comments on social media that some of the people, you know, on the opposite side of the aisle are saying that at times there's religious speakers on campus that say things to students as far as the way they're dressed or... Um, you know the the very vocal pro life crowd, which I'm I'm pro life, but I'm not. I don't think it's okay to stand out there with pictures of dead babies on there. Like that, you're just you're fucked up too. Like there's different ways to get your message across. Um. So if those people are being permitted on campus and allowed to interact with students, and what a lot of people have described, I never had that experience on campus, but. I will also stay stand here and say, as someone who lives in that area and knows that area, that wouldn't surprise me if that actually happened. Um, but then that should not be allowed as well. Um, but um, the statement from the president was was met with a mostly positive response, you know. And like I said, it's always the minority that usually make the most noise. Uh, I thought it was kind. Of, excuse me, brave of the president to issue such a statement because you know it's going to ruffle feathers. And like I said, the few feathers it ruffles are going to be part of loud birds. Um, but it's just, you know, people are going to look at it as saying, and I fucking hate this word, whoever came up with the term inclusive, you know, saying the university's not being inclusive, like, fuck people who use that word. Um, <clears throat> it's just a stupid term for shit. But at the end of the day, the university is a business, uh, and as businesses have people with money behind them, donors, and such and such. So I'm guessing President o Oldham is, I don't know if it's Oldham or it's spelled Oldham, 
uh, was smart enough to, to read the room and look around and say, okay, I need to take a stand against the idiocy of this woke agenda, which, like I said, it's just the children part that I find wrong. Uh, if a student-sponsored event, well, things can be made fun of. Like, I, the, the making fun of the religion, like, I don't, I don't have a problem with that because, you know, as someone who makes fun of religion myself, I, I don't think anything is sacred, you know, as far as being made fun of or something you can create satire of. that That's how comedy works to an extent. And in a way, you know, people will say drag is a performance art. I mean, shitting on a canvas and smearing it with your fingers can be performance art as well. But... <clears throat> I think we have to be realistic that the idea of children, the idea of children being present at these events is kind of fucked up. You know, and I get maybe their own parents took them, but, uh, you know, some people allow their kids to smoke crack or drink. Like, that. just because you're a parent doesn't mean you make the right choices. We all know those parents. Um, but my conclusion, I guess, is that uh, I listen to the podcast just to kind of get a feel for who Josh Lancaster was, uh, or who I would could think who he was, because one episode's not going to give you. Um, but I, I personally thought he probably could have used the podcast to be less standoffish, uh, maybe some sh- maybe show some of the sensitivity uh, that he was asking for uh, and expects to people who were bothered by their performance, and take a more I think a more well-rounded view, well-rounded way of explaining the events of that time and maybe a better tone. Um, I honestly contemplated reaching out to him to appear on the show tonight. Uh, and I may, I may actually do so at a later time. Uh, you know, my fear honestly was based on some of his rhetoric that he might fold under questioning uh, and I wouldn't be able to stay on track with, and he probably wouldn't be able to stay on track with a tough conversation it would be a lot of deflection, and then I'd just get frustrated and cut him off. But um, I'm honestly going to consider it just because I think it, it could be an interesting talk. And, you know, sometimes it's good to have understanding of things. I think that that's very important. But like I said, you know, I draw the line with the kids. And, you know, it's all on our Facebook page if you get a chance to uh, go look at it. Um, anyways, moving right along. Um, wow, that was a quick 35 minutes. What do you say? Uh, tonight's episode was brought to you by the music of Matchbox 20. Um, I sort of forgot about these guys, strangely, um, but I've always enjoyed their music. Um, I chose Back to Good because I think, uh, for myself personally, I've been wanting to get back to feeling good, if I'm being honest. Um, You know, whether it's mentally, physically, I think I found myself in a little bit of a crabby funk all week for no reason. No, I just think I was just just off. I don't know. What, what is it? The, uh, the basic chick say Mercury was in retrograde. Maybe there's a full moon. Like that shit drives me nuts. There, I don't think there's any truth to that. But anyways, since the release of their first album, yourself or someone like you, Matchbox 20 has sold almost 30 million albums worldwide. They originated from Orlando, Florida, which I honestly had no idea of that. And formed in 1995, uh, the band is still releasing albums and touring today, led by singer Rob Thomas, who actually had some single success uh, when the band took a break from 04 to 07. They have this pop rock sound that's kind of endeared them to fans all over the world. My personal 
favorite Matchbox 20 song is titled Long Day. Um, I think the opening lyric had me from the first time I heard the song. The opening lyric is, um, it's sitting by the overcoat, the second shelf, the note she wrote that I can't bring myself to throw away. Like, I just think that's an amazing lyric. And, you know, I think it was one of those songs, the right song at the right time. And it's just kind of always been a favorite of mine. Um, but they had a lot of success on the radio with hits like Push, 3AM, Real World, uh, Back to Good, all off the first release. Their second release, Mad Season, featured the hits If You're Gone, Bent, uh, Mad Season, Last Beautiful Girl. And this this release came on the heels of lead singer Rob Thomas's collaboration with rock and roll icon Carlos Santana on the Grammy award-winning song Smooth, which... I fucking hated that song. I never liked it. Uh, that song was everywhere in 1999. Like that song, it's probably playing on a station somewhere right now, where one of you that's listening to this maybe has music on or in the background, and that damn song is playing. Um, but anyways, but it was like the biggest thing Rob Thomas ever did. I anyway, I just never liked it. Their next release. Uh, more Than You Think You Are featured um, Disease, which was actually written by Mick Jagger. I did not know that. Unwell, um, Bright Lights. It was really commercially uh, commercially successful. The band would then take a break for a few years before returning in 2007. And since 2010, have continued to tour and have commercial success. So have yourself a drink. Listen to Matchbox 20. Uh, get ready for football tomorrow. Um Thank you for listening. The growth the past few months, <clears throat> honestly, guys, it's been almost overwhelming, especially since, you know, I've probably, you know, I took a couple weeks off, uh, but I appreciate you all. Um, it's cool to see this get bigger and bigger. Um, I eventually, like I said, want to turn it into something else. I just have to get some stuff fixed down here in the basement. It takes me forever to do anything in case you notice. I didn't give you any basement update because there isn't one. Um, Charlie is here this week. Um, we're watching him for Luke as his family is on a vacation out west. So Charlie's hanging out with us for the next week. He's been a really good boy. It's been really nice to have him around. He's kind of big. He's still adorable. But um, anyways, that's all I got tonight, folks. Uh, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. Tune in next week. Peace.